We're, we are in uh, number three tonight as far as our, our study. So um, if, uh, if I can get some help handing these out. Let me see here. That one doesn't have a back. Um, let me keep one. Yeah, Rick, if you wouldn't mind. Kara, thank you. And I know Christy's got some in the back. She'll be making her way this way as well. There are no fill-in-the-blanks tonight. Sorry to disappoint you. I know it's the highlight of your week. But there are none tonight. There will be a spelling test, yes. I didn't spell sufficient. I know everybody's like, S-U-F, is there two F's? Is there what, I mean, is there an S in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I started getting into some of those words, and I'm like, I'm going to spell some of these things, literally. Because, I mean, you start, even me when I'm working, I'm like, what now, you know? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, omniscient, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. That figures, doesn't it? There you go. All right. Take care of yourself first. All right. Last week, we, we looked at how we got the Bible. And, and the reason we're, we're spending a couple of weeks here on the Scripture itself, when we start talking about how do we discuss what we believe, the foundation, of course, of what we believe comes from the Scripture. So if we don't understand why we believe the Scripture, then we, we will... We'll be wishy-washy. We'll be, uh, we'll lack confidence. We we won't we won't want to talk about what we believe. Only in the church will we want to talk about what we believe. Not outside. Not not out where you work and where you actually live. You know that. You know this is this is an artificial environment. You realize that. I mean, this is artificial. Uh, it is as real as anything that we that we know, and more real because the family of God is more real than even our own biological families. But in here, what I mean in in this setting right now, it's artificial. Um, real easy to talk about what we believe here. Um, but the goal, of course, is is to become confident in discussing what we believe. Uh, and the, the the key word, uh, you know, I, I think in the title of of this particular study, discussing, it's not. Uh, declaring, it's not shouting, it's not uh, soapboxing, it is, it is discussing. So anyway, all right, let's look at some of the questions here. Uh, why do people have trouble trusting the Bible? What do you think? Okay, don't understand it. What else? Yep. Yep, it's, it's irrelevant, it's old, outdated, okay? What else? Yeah. Right. So the personal agenda of some sort or whatever. Sure. Okay. I find some people just don't like what it says. I mean, you know, that's part of it too. <laughs> Disagree, you know, and because of whatever, you know, personal preference or, uh, you know, well, they're behind the times or, you know, get caught up with 2017. And, you know, of course, the irony of the progressive mindset is that we are – progressing towards something that is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose, and completely subjective, uh, the progressive mindset. Um, I believe history is progressing toward what God has said it will progress toward. Uh, So consider me a progressive, if you will. Um, But I I would not consider myself a social or political progressive because I don't like nebulous thinking. 
Um, anyway, maybe um, the, whatever. That's a tangent. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I've run out of time. I always go on my tangents, and I look down at my at my clock here, and I'm going to get going. Why, what do you? Th- why else do you think? Why do people struggle to trust the Bible? In what way do you mean, Sharon? What do you mean? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Paul called it the it, it, Paul called the wisdom of God. He said it is foolishness to man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From a from a strictly uh, uh, man centered kind of perspective, it appears to be absolute foolishness. Yeah. A great great point. Next question, why do you trust the Bible? Okay, I, I, I trust that there is something in you, if not all in you, that trusts the Bible, at least in part, if not completely. Why? You know, like you, you and I talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I think the preacher has to be the best salesman in the world. <laughs> because he doesn't have anything Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is... Uh, yeah, we we have Bill and I discussed that one time. There, you know, I, I I essentially I offer you nothing you can hold into your hands every Sunday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, trying to convince you of a God you can't see. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, even if you look at the Old Testament prophets, well, yeah, I mean, even take Moses for example. I mean, he wrote you know the first five books of the of the Old Testament and was disallowed from visiting the Promised Land because of of a, of a sin. He did not. You know, it's not as if God said, "Well, Moses, look, you you know you didn't you didn't follow my instructions. You were angry with everybody. You hit the rock twice. I told you just you know to say something to it." And I would bring water. You, you know, but because you know you're a general, you know I'm going to give you a pass. None of that. In fact, you know all the apostles, uh, except for John, as far as we can figure, were martyred. John, you know, we, we died in, in exile essentially. So, yeah, there's not, not not much to gain for these guys writing what they did. Good, good, uh, good word. Yes, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. The Bible is very, very honest. If I were writing a fairy tale, um, most of my characters that are supposed to be the golden characters would be pretty well golden throughout. You know, there there might be you know a, a nagging sort of thing that get, our pride gets them occasionally or something like that, but they would not be murderers and adulterers and you know and they wouldn't be those kinds of people. And yet the Bible, you know, th- those are those are heroes of the faith. You realize that Moses killed some dude. You know, he got an argument and killed him. Um, you know, David, of course, saw a woman bathing, liked what he saw, knew she was married, 
didn't care. Used his authority as a king to get her into his bed, uh, had an affair with her, then had had her husband murdered and tried to play it off. David, a man after God's own heart. What? You know, so anyway, the Bible's very honest. I think it's honesty, as Jimmy is saying, uh, points to its legitimacy as well. Why does it matter if the Bible is trustworthy or not? Why does it even matter? Well, I mean, it's certainly, you know, and Rick, you mentioned this just a minute ago, and, and Chris alluded to it as well. You're reading Matthew and seeing, probably seeing some things for the first time all over again, if that makes sense. And that, and that, that's, that is the way the scripture, you know, it continues, the Bible, the Bible calls itself living and active, that it will, it will continue to have its effect. And, uh, and certainly it does. You know, you realize that, that everything that somebody does is based upon what they believe to be true. Everything. Doesn't matter if you're a person of faith or not, you, you are you are trusting in something as the guide for your life. We trust in the scripture as the guide for our life. If it's not true, we're dumb. Dumb. Like really dumb. Because as we have said, as Ben said, and others have said, Jim and others, it it it's it's foolishness. If it's not true, it's, it's absolute insanity. Insanity to follow Scripture if it's not true. And if it's not true, then, then anything that we say objectively, that this is right and this is wrong, has no basis other than that's my preference. And again, I, I, will, I will, will grind the axe just a little bit more. I find there to be nothing more hypocritical than an atheist with a conscience. Uh, Says who? That's right. That's wrong. Says who? Well, it's just, you know, everybody knows. No, they don't. Says who? So, so you're telling me that, that this is right for everybody for all time. Yeah. Says who? Well, but you're also telling me that certain situations call for sort of a different kind of perspective on things and a different morality and different choice. Well, yeah. Well, then how can you say that what you just said is true for all people for all time if there's a way that you sort of massage that and get around that in particular situations? So what you're telling me makes no sense whatsoever. Again, if, if the Bible is not, is not true, then I have no basis for what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, we'll get to some of those other conversations. Here are some of the objections. You guys have brought these up. It's historically inaccurate. It's just wrong. Just messed it all up. I just didn't get it right. Uh, it's outdated. 
It was written by humans. It's not, not some, from some God. You know, like miracles, really? You know, Sharon brought that up. Like, okay, stuff's unbelievable. There's no way. Here, here are some things that are unique about um, the Bible among religious writings. Look at, look at some of these. The view of God that it gives us, that God is one, not multiple gods. That God is one. He is sovereign. He is loving, good, merciful, and incarnate, meaning that he came to become one of us. Other religions present maybe more than one God, or weak gods, or hateful gods, or vengeful gods, or gods that would, uh, that, that would and could never become human, or that humans can become God. The Bible presents God as something completely different and unique from any other kind of religion. Uh, it, it, the Bible's view of mankind. We, we do not get that man is, is all evil all the time with no hope of redemption. We get a balanced view. What do we get? Man is created in God's image and has sinned and needs redemption and can be redeemed and therefore made back completely into the image of God again. You're not going to get that in, in a lot of other religious texts. Salvation. Other religious texts will tell us what we need to do to get to God. Do these things, perform these whatever, these rituals, live this way and so on, and maybe someday, hopefully someday, maybe, hopefully, God will let you into his heaven, whatever that may mean. That's, that's not biblical, by the way. Not in any way. Um, the Bible tells us the exact opposite. It tells us we cannot do anything to get to God, and because he's gracious and loving, in his righteousness, he cannot tolerate sin, and in his love and his grace, he came to the cross. That's what we're told. We're told, here's what God has done. Uh, the the uh, scripture supports, uh, its view of truth here, it supports its claims with historical and geographical facts. Everything is backed up with verifiable evidence. The, the Bible is not written in the sense that once upon a time, there was this land, and there were these people and it sort of paints it in this fairy taleish kind of thing. It just, I mean, read the book of Numbers. Why on earth would the book of Numbers be in the scripture? Literally. I mean, seriously, go read it. It's just a record of all the people and stuff. I mean, it, why would, why would that's, so that's divine inspiration to record how many people were in this family and then this dude begat this dude begat, you know what I'm saying? What? It's historical. It's meant to say this is accurate, this was real, this is not something we made up. Anyway, 10 great reasons to trust the Bible. Now, I took this, just so you know, uh, you'll see down at the bottom, uh, from a little, a little handout, basically, a little um, pamphlet. Uh, I, I figured I can't improve on this, so I'm just going to give it to you. And, uh, and we can, you can kind of use it as a, as a little bit of a reference here um, from a, a, an article called, Can I Really Trust the Bible?, a uh, handy little thing. And uh, so here we go. Ten great reasons to trust the Bible. What I want you to be thinking of is how can I, how can I handle this in conversation? Okay? That, that's, that's, that's your goal to think through as we, as we do this. What would I say? How do I put this in conversation? Not, uh, would you sit down and let me go over the ten great reasons to trust the Bible? I, my pastor gave me these. I don't know how else to say it, but just sit down and just listen. If you, uh, it's not going to happen, right? So let's, let's figure out how we handle this in conversation. Uh, uh, one thing is the Bible uh, claims that it is the Word of God. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, what? Thus saith the Lord. What's that claiming about what's been written? God said this, right? This is God's word. The prophets all spoke on behalf of God. You see here the New Testament references, lots of them. 
that the Scripture claims. In fact, uh, in, in 2 Timothy, it says all Scripture is God-breathed or is, is inspired by God. Um, so it does. It claims to be the Word of God to humans. There, some people would say, well, it, you know, I mean, it doesn't really say that it's God's Word. They haven't read the Bible. The Bible is clear. Even, even somebody who, who is not a believer, if they literally read the entire Scripture, they would have to say, they would have to agree with this. It does claim to come from God. Why does that matter? Yeah, okay, we don't trust man's word. You have trouble trusting people and taking for the word? I do. <laughs> this comes from God. I mean, so if, if, if it comes from God, and if God is who he says he is, then we, we have something that claims to be from a trustworthy God. And so it, it's claiming that we didn't make this up. We wrote on behalf of God. So it's kind. Secondly, Jesus had some some things to say about Scripture. He he referred to the Word of God. In the world would he be referring to if not the Scripture? He referred to the, the actual word Scripture or the commands of God. What's the Bible that Jesus read? The sixteen eleven version of the No, I'm just if you were here last week, it's not the sixteen eleven version of the King James. What what did Jesus read? One of, one, of, one of two versions of the Bible Jesus would have read, either, either the Hebrew Scripture or something called the Septuagint, which would have been the Greek version of the Old Testament. He only had the Old Testament. So he's verifying that and so on as he is displaying and, and would later be written about uh, for the New Testament. Not only that, but Jesus recognized the people and events of the Old Testament as historically accurate. Mentioned Adam and Eve as if they were real, not like fictional characters that were sort of representative of the beginning of humankind. Or I mean, Jesus talked about them as if they were real. Now I don't I don't know where you stand on some things. Um, I don't call it scientifically, I suppose, but man, I, I tell you what I. Ben mentioned there's some things that have to be taken by faith. I, I wasn't there when Adam and Eve were created. Um, in fact, nobody else was. Um, Jesus seemed to think it was legit, though. I got to take his word for it. Um, that, that's kind of where I stand on that. Noah and the flood. He mentioned it. A um, lot, of, lot of discussion in... Uh, scholarly circles about the flood. Think about that for a second. Think about the flood. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But I mean, it is, it, yeah, it, it, it is ridiculous to even think about the amount of rain that would have had to take place, but it talks about the springs welling up and so on. How would all that water evaporate and not destroy the, the atmosphere? I, I, I don't know. Um, Jesus seemed to talk like it actually really happened. Now, was it the whole world, like as we know the whole world, or was it just like their known world? I mean, did it really cover the mountain? Jesus talked about I don't know. I don't know all the answers. Yes, sir, Jim. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and again, you know, the, the point here, you know, is, is not necessarily do we have a, you know, do we have a way to measure this scientifically? Jesus talked about it. Uh, certain characters. Um, 
Lot, his wife, the issues with Sodom and Gomorrah, Jonah. Uh, Jesus talked about him as if he was a real person, not a fictional character, you know, that was sort of in your Bible story book and, you know, there's the whale. And um, He viewed his own words as scripture. Therefore, he thought they were to be believed and taught. And he held people responsible for what was in the scripture. I'm just saying Jesus, Jesus thought that the Bible was real. And so it's interesting is if somebody were to say, well, I don't believe that Jesus is God, and I don't, you know, I don't believe that, but he was a good teacher. What? No, he wasn't. It's garbage. Good teacher. He taught that all this stuff in the Old Testament was real. It was God's word. How does that make him a good teacher? He's a liar. Or he's a fool. Think about it. Anyway, I just, you know, how do we talk about this in conversation? That's what we're, what we're going for. Um, Jesus used the scripture uh, over and over. The writers also, look at number three there. I'm going to move forward. Um, when they were writing, they looked at other parts of scripture and they accepted it as scripture, as the word of God. You see some references. These references here, by the way, are just for you to, to look up. You got some, you know, Chris talking about, I'm reading Matthew right now. If you need something to go into study, then by all means, just kind of work through these things. If you look on the backside, um, they saw themselves as communicators of God's word. They knew they were communicating something God had said. Uh, You see that, of course, very specifically in the prophets when they did say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what God has said. Um, The the unity of the text of Scripture is very interesting as well. Look at this. It's one story told over centuries by dozens of authors in three different languages about the same thing. They all agree on doctrine, the details of prophecy, on Jesus and the plan of salvation. You try putting something like that together over 1,600 years, um, good luck. And, and there's not one part that can be held against another and say this is completely contradictory to the rest of it. Not in there. Some people like to hold up the Old Testament, so that's all about law. Well, you know, the God of the Old Testament must have been much different from the God of the New Testament because the New Testament's all about grace. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5? I didn't come to abolish the law, but what? To fulfill it. And not one letter, not one iota, that's the smallest Greek letter, not one will pass away until it's all been done. Jesus didn't contradict the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. He showed us what it means. He lived it out and so on. Uh, it's, it's incredible, the unity. If you were to sit down and read the Bible cover to cover, from Genesis to the maps, I mean, you go all the way. Um, you know, when you were a kid, did you ever sit in church and look at the maps and stuff? And, you know, you're supposed to be listening. Anyway, uh, it's preservation <clears throat> in the Old Testament. Here, here's, here's where we get into some of, okay, now how did this come to us? And since A.D. 900, uh, some scribes known as the Masoretes, uh, they followed very stringent rules. What they would do, as you see here, they had, they had uh, a, a counting system. So they would count all the letters in, in the, the document that they had. And they're writing it all, of course, by hand. So they've got their other, you know, pa- call it paper. They've got their other paper. And they, they, so they would count the number of letters on, on their, call it the original. And then they would make the copy and count those letters. And if the count didn't match up, they'd tear up the copy and start over again. You tell me they're not serious about getting it right? Well, they didn't care. They just kind of, you know, it's a telephone game. You know, start over here with, with Jennifer, and we go all the way around, and, you know, by the time it gets back to Stephanie, it's completely different. You know, the, you know, the, the dog howls, you know, uh, at midnight under, a, you know, a 
clear sky, you know, would somehow become, you know, Patrick is wonderful and, you know, I'm so glad I'm married to him. You know, that's what Stephanie would say, right? Absolutely. You know, that, so that's what, that's what people would have us believe, that the, the copying process was like that. That it's a bunch of first graders passing around something they can't really hear and understand. They were meticulous. What about before that? Well, in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And as you can see here, there were fragments of every Old Testament book found. Not, not complete manuscripts and copies of every one, but, but at least fragments. Some complete manuscripts. And there's a careful comparison made between what the, the, the Masoretic text and the Dead Sea Scrolls show us. And it is amazing, the confirmation. And, and the Dead Sea Scrolls were written a thousand years before. People want to argue, well, you know, it's written so long ago, you know, they made errors. What actual facts show us is that they line up pretty good. The New Testament. There are some minor vari- vari- variations. <clears throat> Much like, uh, you ever seen um, the word labor spelled two different ways? Do you know the British spelling? You know what it adds in there? A U, right? That's the kind of variation we're talking about in, in the New Testament. People, oh, there's errors all over the place. Okay, you want to call your British friends wrong for putting a U in there? That's fine. It's no problem. You know, they probably look at us like, why'd you take that out? It was perfectly good U right there. You don't, you know, you take that out. You know, a bunch of revolutionaries, you know. But that's kind of what we're dealing with. And you, and you see, um, we have some old, old copies uh, of certain parts of the New Testament. And in one case, uh, you know, near, near full, you know, collection dating way back um and textual scholars even people who are not christians uh, would agree that the preservation of of what we know as the new testament the old testament is is it's not 100 percent, but it's about 99 and it's real close <clears throat> i'm gonna stop kind of give you a mental break for a second you ever had a conversation with anybody about the accuracy of scripture anybody ever some of those. I mean, it depends on which circles you run in, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, of course, at university, I'm sure there's lots of folks, you know, that, that you know, would, would, of course, they'd argue with me all night long on this stuff, I'm sure, you know, but you, you might. You might. Historical accuracy, look at number six. <clears throat> the Bible claims to present real history, not made-up events. Um. And the more archaeologists discover, the more they can affirm the historical accounts of the Bible. In so many ways, science is our friend. We, we don't have to be scared of science. We don't have to be scared of intelligence. We don't have to be scared of study or scrutiny or anything. We don't have to be scared of it. Uh, God's not scared of it, so you know. Um, so we don't have to be either. The reason we're scared of it is because we don't, we don't know we don't know our own facts. And understandably, we'd be, well, you know... God's not scared of, of science. Here's an example. In the Old Testament, the Hittites are mentioned over 50 times, but for centuries, there's no evidence of them. So, okay, so the Bible's mentioned these people like over and over and over. They didn't exist. So if we got reason to question that, well, maybe we got reason to question some other things that the Bible talks about historically. But in 1906, their capital was discovered in Turkey, confirming that those people actually did exist during the time when they're mentioned in Scripture. A Jewish archaeologist put it this way, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discoveries ever, ever controverted a biblical reference. Kind of interesting. Never, never gone against it. 
And we don't have, you know, not everything in Scripture is backed up by an archaeolo- you know, archaeological dig going on right now. Um, I mean, Indiana Jones did discover the, the lost ark. Um, I mean, he did, you know, so that's good. Um, greatest movie of all time. Absolute greatest movie of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. My favorite ever. Last Crusade is close, okay? I really like that one, too. Temple of Doom, eh. Not sure why they made that one. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was cool because he's old and he's back, but yeah. And but Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. Anyway, it's on Amazon Prime Video too, by the way. If you, not that I've watched it fifteen times or anything, you know, but it's that's great. Anyway, um, scientific accuracy. Do, do do the Bible and science conflict? Just bear in mind the Bible is not a science textbook. Never intended to be. Um, even in creation, we don't get we don't get you know the the science behind what God. What do we get? God said, <laughs> and then these things happen. That's what we get. We we get the, we get a theological treatise on creation. Now that doesn't mean that there's no science in it. That's my point. But it's not designed to be a scientific textbook. It doesn't have formulas, and it doesn't have you know the table of elements, and I mean it doesn't have all that stuff. It just that doesn't mean it's, it's scientifically inaccurate. It just means that's not, that wasn't the point. Um, but um, the Bible, when it speaks about science, it does so accurately. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some more about that kind of thing. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, another thing that, that is really, really impressive about Scripture is its prophetic accuracy. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, God said that you will test the prophets and know that they are from me if what they predict comes true. Their words are reliable. If that's what he said about the prophets, we should apply that test to the whole scripture. If God is speaking, then what he has predicted should come true, right? If we, you know. And we have example after example after example after example. There was a whole chart in this little handout that I didn't have room. I told you last week. I was going to go front and back. Do you see what I did? All the way to the bottom. I didn't even change the font size, but I, I kept my word to you. I'm not going to put, but if I had put this chart on here, taking up a whole page, if the, the prophecy is just about Jesus, just about the Messiah, that, that came true. Everything from who he was going to be to how he was going to die to when it was going to happen and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, of course, you have the destruction of, of different cities and world powers that were predicted and God's judgment on places. And, you know, here's what's going to happen. And then guess what? Oh, yeah, it did happen. And not as if they could have written it back into the story because the, the, the evidence says this was written when it was happening. And then centuries later, this thing happens over here. So the prophetic accuracy. And people, you know, that's one of those things you don't really have to defend. I mean, you don't have to get vehement about it. You just say, okay, you're talking with somebody who doesn't, you know, they don't believe the scripture. What about, what about the stuff that was predicted like centuries before? What about that? Well, you know, it's coincidence. Boy, there's an awful lot of them. Man, coincidental there are so many coincidences, you know. I mean, you know, there's really are. There's a lot, you know. Anyway, uh, and then social impact. Uh, this one, you know, um, this one in, in number 10, I think, ultimately are, 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 are the, the winning arguments. There's life change. It can't be explained other than this is the word of God that has been planted in somebody's heart and it's changed them. Um, and what's interesting is that people will say, I don't really know what happened, but something just kind of changed. 
I'm just different. I can't really explain it. You know, I mean, I, you know, I was still in the same scenario, working around the same people, but man, my attitude was just different. My outlook was changed completely. They can't explain what's happened. Why? Because I didn't make it happen. Social impact. Here, here's a quote from this this pamphlet. Whenever the Bible. Uh, wherever the Bible has been taken and its message accepted, it has profoundly affected the culture into which it has been brought. I mean, if, if, if you take the Scripture and it is accepted, it changes a culture, changes people, not just individuals, but, but, but together. Greater morality, social change, improved conditions. And you see here, Christians were instrumental in abolishing slavery throughout the world, raising the status of women, reducing oppression, helping the disabled, and so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's, that's what should be happening. Should make a difference. And then, and then finally, number 10, there's nothing so convincing as a, as a changed life, one that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see a person exhibiting those things, they didn't do that on their own. Trust me, they ain't got it in them. I don't. I really don't. But you see people that now experience hope. Talked about this, Rick. You know, happiness, of course, gets thrown around, and it seems frivolous sometimes for us to talk about. Well, I just want to be happy. And Jesus said, "Happy are the poor in spirit." <laughs> talked about it. Blessed, happy. There's something about it that brings you know. Call it. I mean, you know, happiness is that an emotion that's fleeting, eh, whatever. But call it something deeper than just. Frivolous happiness, but something happens. Peace, morality is different, deliverance, habits are broken, lives and marriages restore, deepest needs met. Anyway, those are some convincing things. Is that an exhaustive list? No. Um, but maybe it will give you some conversation to talk about. Why should you trust the Bible? Some pretty good reasons there, I think. Uh, before we close, when you look at this, for you personally, uh, which which of these do you find uh, most helpful for you in some of the conversations maybe that that come up in your circle? Maybe there's a couple, but which which of these do you say, you know, man, that's that's one, yeah, right there. That one's probably one I I'm gonna I need to think about because it seems that these are the people I talk to. Any anyone like that? I'm sorry. Personal impact, okay. When you can show someone the impact that it's had in your life mm-hmm. and make it personal. Yeah. Have a greater impact. Yeah. You know, go ahead. <clears throat> Fire away. Nah, it's all good. Go ahead. I was going to say number seven is the hardest. Seven. Scientific accuracy, sure. Yeah. I was watching a program the other night on the Voyager spacecraft. I don't know if y'all saw that. It was on PBS. And it was, I mean, the fo- it, was, it was really impressive. I mean, really. Chris, you watch it? Really impressive. Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 um, launched, I guess, in the late 70s it was. About the time I was born, as a matter of fact. And so it was kind of cool to think, you know, man, that's what's going on at that time. And then, you know, in the, in the mid-80s, they, you know, they finally reach... Um, Jupiter and Saturn, and I mean, of course, Voyager 1, I guess, is now in interstellar space. I mean, it's between galaxies. And to watch the people get, I mean, they were fired up. They were so excited. People that started it, and now, you know, 40 years later, you know, they're retired folks having seen what, what it's done. 
And I, you know, I'm really cynical. I mean, I just, I admit it, I really am. And I thought, who in the world cares? It's really cool, but who cares? Who cares what in the world Saturn looks like? I mean, what difference does it even make? I mean, honestly, who cares? Men are fired up, though. I mean, I don't mean to, if you're a scientist or whatever, you know, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm being sarcastic. But, but who cares? You know what, we're going to, you know, and they, of course, they put this gold record on there. So if aliens found it, they could play this record and somehow understand it. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. It's out there or whatever. But what? Even if there are aliens out there, they ain't going to understand that thing. You know, what, what do you do with this? You know, it's got Elvis or somebody on. I don't know. But, but I just, to watch them get so excited about something they don't even believe in. They don't believe there's any point to space. They don't believe in it. I mean, and yet, man, they're fired up. I thought, what? There's nothing. They don't believe there's any point to our existence in and of itself. There's no point. Because what? It, when, when the game's over, all the parts go back in the box, right? I mean, it's just who cares? Nothing. It, it, what's the point in doing anything if there's no point? I just, it, it blew me away. So scientific stuff, absolutely. But I, I think, I think it, it's a rigged argument. And I think they want to ignore the big hole in their argument. Those who would who would scientifically claim that there's you know there's no God, there's no reason for that. Yes, sir, Chris. Yeah. I think me and you were talking about yeah. this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and again, I don't. I don't. My thing is is you know when I'm facetious in here, I, it is for a reason. I want I want you to understand there are holes in the other side of the argument. There are major holes. Okay. Uh, the majority of folks in our world that control the microphone would would prefer you not believe that there are any holes. But there are major holes. I'm not saying we should go out and be a jerk about it. Not at all. Not at all. But but let's let's not feel as if that well you know man I don't have we don't have any answers we do <laughs> we do we'll get to some of that some more of that but we do um, we don't have to be on the defensive we don't have to be angry we don't have to we don't have to um, we talked last week God doesn't need to be defended I don't have to defend God I think I talked about that Sunday morning or maybe it's last week I don't you know but I do need to be ready with an answer for the hope that is within me. And ultimately, folks, it goes back to what Rick alluded to. It is about, ultimately, about the personal impact of Scripture. I, odds are nobody is going to come to Jesus Christ, or I'd say nobody, not many people will come to Jesus Christ because you won them over in a logical scientific argument. Ultimately, what's going to have to happen? What? The same thing happened to you. Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, and you repent in faith. Ultimately. Now, are all those other things tools? Absolutely, use them. Use them. But ultimately, it's a change of heart. Yes, ma'am. Well, I was going to say exactly what he says. Some people want the argument. No question. They want the discussion. They don't want to be changed. They, yes. They want, you know, not to have the issue. Yes. When I say all the time, they, they don't want the solution. They, right. They want the issue. Yeah. So you have to know sure. who's coming to guidance. Absolutely. To change yep. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, and no matter how smart a person is, sometimes what the proverbs say is accurate. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. 
the Bible's not talking about how dumb they are. It's, it's do they have the fear of God or not? Are they willing, you know, you know be careful. Yes. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Just, boom, take that crutch right out from under them. I mean, seriously, absolutely. Because it is a propped-up kind of argument. And, the, and the, the louder that they talk about it, the more con- – I mean, you know, this guy literally on, on air called it a cosmic coincidence over and over and over, but he was pumped about it. And I'm dead serious, folks. I really am. I, the, the older I get, the less it makes sense for people who do not believe that there is any point to this life – that we are simply, you know, cosmic accidents, accidents and coincidences, to get excited about anything in this life. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't at all. Why would you, you know, why would you care if you lose somebody close to you? Well, life had no point anyway. Who cares? Why would you feel any pain? I mean, you know, why would you talk about roses? Why would you call anything beautiful? Not beautiful. It's your synapses firing, convincing you that there's something nice about that. I mean, that's all there is. I mean, I, I sound really facetious, but folks, I'm telling, like Jim was saying, there are holes in the argument. There are, yes. So, uh, Dan. Well, you were talking about TV shows. There's actually a really good one on Netflix. Okay. It's called uh, it's Genesis History. Okay. And uh, they actually use, and I was actually surprised to see it on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, looking at science actually lends proof that yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, Genesis could unfold exactly the way yeah. uh, the Bible says it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, anyway, just to see a show like that on Netflix <clears throat> sure. actually using science to... Mm-hmm. Prove that Genesis is is real. It's kind of surprising. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's right. Everything's true on Facebook. Um, yes, Rick. And what happens, I think, what you're describing is, is you know, it is, it's, call it the, you know, the, cent, you know, the magnet, if you will. And the more that you, that you orbit around it, the closer you get pulled into it. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It is truth 100% all the time. And so what I thought and what I believe, the closer I get to it, the more overwhelmed I am by that, the more changed I am by that, and the more anchored I become to it. It, it's not as if I have decided now this this is true, and so because I've decided it makes it true. It's true, and finally I've recognized it. And I think that's I think that's the the, the key. If that makes sense, um, because what we are, what we have, and as Rick is is, is alluding to, and that's not the point you're making, but you're alluding to it. We have a world in which everybody sort of has their own truth. And what you're describing, instead of being transformed by the truth, it's well, you know, ten years ago I believed this, but now I believe this because times changed. Okay, well, if times change back, you're going to believe what you believed back then? No, that was dumb. But what if times change and, you know, now everybody believes? Again, it's, you know, so, um, anyway, I believe that was the horn. Uh, <laughs> it's 7.30 right on the nose. You're good. <laughs> That's good. Oh, that is so perfect. Anyway, it is time to go. You know? Uh, that's wonderful. It, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
Listen, I, you know, somebody was telling me uh, Sunday morning, Jim, you and I were joking about, I think it was you, uh, we always have very interesting conversations, and Jim will say something to me, and he said, you know, we need to turn it. He said, I know you got the timer on the back. We need to put a timer in the front so everybody knows when you're about done. Ben, don't get any ideas. Ben's the one that <laughs> operates that. But, uh, one yeah, with one click, it can be on the front, too, and everybody's counting down. Five, four, three. And I'm like, no, not done, you know, and boom, trap door, and, and I'm gone. But, <clears throat> um, you know, anyway, um, so uh, one of these may be helpful soon. I think all of them may be helpful through your lifetime. This is not exhaustive. Uh, you, you may not be fully prepared after tonight, but maybe it will, it will help and give you some things that you can say, all right, you know, I, let me learn a little bit more about this. There are great resources out there. If you ever have questions, you say, where do I look? What kind of, you know, what kind of book, what kind of website can I go to? You know, what, what are some things that I can look at? Let me know. I'd be happy to try to direct you to some stuff that's been helpful for me or find you something that, that would be helpful. So anything else in closing? <clears throat> mm-hmm yeah yeah yep yeah it does yeah and it changes them in the same way they were changed back then it really does the you know it's not as if it changes them in a different way it's the same kind of life change based upon the same kind of truth and and it is it has been preserved and and certainly for for us to to experience absolutely and that's one of the things about the scripture too it's relevance that was written so long ago it's not relevant hold on man well, I read something, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. They, they didn't live now, and I didn't live then, but I, yeah, that's dead on what I'm dealing with. That didn't change. People are still the same. You know, we think we're really smart now or whatever, you know. We, we still got the same issues we've had, you know, since forever. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they always do. Yep. You get to, you get to deal with that, Burn don't you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, all right. How about we close in prayer? Chris, why don't you why don't you close us tonight?